Welcome to Treadmill Talks with Shannon Maves, a podcast for athletes and fitness enthusiasts to pass the time during mind-numbing cardio while I use my no-bullshit coaching style to educate, inspire, and entertain. I'm your host, Shannon Maves. Now let's walk and talk. Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 17 of Treadmill Talks, the one about alcohol. One reason I chose to talk about the topic of alcohol right now is because it seems to be a recurring conversation with quite a few of my clients lately. And for those of you who are listening to this, I promise I am not singling you out. I've legitimately been having this conversation with quite a few of you lately. And another reason I want to talk about alcohol right now is because your girl here has been drinking a little bit more than usual lately with everything going on in my life. In fact, the day that this episode releases, I am actually going to be in Tampa looking for houses, and that night, I am having dinner with my husband's new boss and the president of the company. So if you're listening to this when it releases, there's a pretty damn good chance that I will be actively partaking. (laughs) And I think it's important that I am totally transparent with y'all about my affinity for things like wine and margaritas. Because even though I do abstain from alcohol completely while I'm in prep, during the rest of my life, I am definitely known to let loose from time to time. Not quite to the extent that I did in my 20s, because I think I might actually die if I tried to live that lifestyle nowadays. But you can bet your ass that I'm still going to enjoy some wine with dinner on date night and drink by the pool when I'm on vacation. So my goal for this episode is not to shame anyone for drinking, but rather just kind of shed some light on what's actually going on physiologically when we drink. And by the end of this episode, you should have a better understanding of why I choose to completely eliminate alcohol when I am in a competition prep, which isn't something that all competitors do and is actually something that I didn't used to do. When I first started competing, I would not only have wine with refeeds, but there were times that I would even track alcohol into my macros, which I will discuss how to do later in this episode. But as macros got lower and lower, as I got deeper and deeper into prep, I definitely started to feel the effects of those decisions. Because let's say your total daily calories are down to 1,400 which I know is a relative number since everybody's intake is different. But for me and for a lot of females, 1400 is low, but not insanely low. However, if you start tracking even just one glass of wine into those 1400 calories, then you're now only getting about 1250 calories from food. And the lower your caloric intake is, the more nutritious you really should be eating in order to give your body what it actually needs. And you could be getting those same 150 calories from something much more satiating and nourishing than a glass of wine. Now, when you're not in a fat loss phase, and let's say your daily calories are up to 2,000 or so, then a 150 calorie glass of wine becomes a lot less of a big deal because you're still getting over 1,800 calories from food as opposed to just 1,200 or so calories from food when you're in that fat loss phase. So you can usually get away with drinking a bit more and not feeling starved or becoming completely malnourished. So 
That's why I personally prefer to get my calories from food when I'm in a fat loss phase, like a competition prep, because it's just not worth how shitty it makes me feel. And I'm not even talking about hangovers. But I suppose that's a good segue into that, because obviously a hangover is going to make you feel shitty. And if you're hungover, you're probably not going to go to the gym like you said you were going to before you were three sheets to the wind. And even if you do decide to fucking rally and get your ass into the gym, your workout is probably going to be shit. And honestly, you don't even have to be full on hungover for your workouts to suffer. It took me a long time to realize that even just one drink was in fact negatively affecting my workouts the next day. But I didn't realize it because I would wake up feeling fine. Definitely not hungover, maybe slightly tired, but nothing crazy. It wasn't until I got more and more competitive with bodybuilding that I started to really reduce how frequently I drank, and I began to get more and more in tune with my body. Eventually, I started to notice that, holy shit, I am not as strong the day after I have had even just one drink, and my rest periods between sets take longer too. So even though I was still doing my workouts and I wasn't hung over, I was for sure limiting how much progress I could have been making. So how can something as small as just one drink have the ability to negatively affect training like that? Well, to put it simply, alcohol is quite literally poison. And when we consume that poison, our body is basically like, what the fuck, bro? Get this shit out of me. And it essentially stops everything else it would normally be doing. And because everything is put on hold, our sleep becomes shit after even just one drink. Because instead of restoring and rebalancing things like hormones, our body is using that time that we should be resting to work in overdrive to get that fucking poison out of our system. You want to know something really fucking crazy, though? Okay, so back in the day, I drank a good amount. Like, sometimes in large quantities, yes, but I also just drank frequently. I mean, I worked in restaurants for eight years, and anyone who has ever worked in the service industry knows that after a shift, you go out with your friends, and you grab a drink, and you vent about the fucking Karens that were in your section that night. And sure, some nights the entire staff would get pretty fucking wild, but other nights it would literally just be one or maybe two drinks with the girls. Nothing crazy. And as I got more towards my late 20s, that was a more common occurrence than the fucking ragers. Just one or two drinks, but it was most nights of the week. So here's what's crazy, though. During that time in my life, I always said that I was a hot sleeper. Because pretty much every night, without fail, I would wake up sweating during the night. Even if the house was cold, I just always got super hot in my sleep. I even got a cooling mattress and a cooling pillow to help with it. Well, guess the fuck what? It's because I was drinking pretty much every night. And I didn't put two and two together until I started to really cut back on how frequently I was drinking. And I finally realized that the nights I would wake up sweating 
were the nights that I had been drinking alcohol. Even just one drink, sometimes hours before going to bed. It didn't matter. That shit fucked with my sleep. And if it's fucking with sleep, then you know it's fucking with recovery. Because sleep is when our body produces hormones like HGH. HGH is human growth hormone, which is a hormone that is necessary for the body to be able to build and repair lean tissue. So if we're not getting good quality sleep because we're drinking every night, then we aren't going to produce enough HGH in order to be able to build and repair the muscle that we're working so hard to break down in the gym. And sleep isn't the only reason alcohol negatively impacts recovery. Because like I said, when we drink, our body basically stops everything else that it would normally be doing in order to get that alcohol out of its system. And one of many things that it stops doing is synthesizing protein. So even if you're getting plenty of protein in your diet, your body isn't going to be able to use that protein quite as efficiently as it would have if you had remained a sober Sally. So when you combine shitty workouts as a result of poor quality sleep, where your body didn't make enough HGH to build and repair lean tissue, and you stack that on top of your body's inability to synthesize protein, you're just making your life harder and making progress take even longer. Maybe you don't really care about muscle recovery because you have no interest in building muscle since you're somehow still under the impression that lifting weights makes women look manly and you want to stick to being a cardio bunny so that you can get as thin as possible. Which, good God, I sincerely hope that you aren't still that person if you're listening to this podcast but that's an entirely different topic for another day. However, I know there will always be people out there with this train of thought. So I figured I'd mention that drinking alcohol is also going to negatively affect your body's ability to simply digest food and absorb nutrients, which means that losing weight in general is going to be more of a challenge. Because again, your body is going to prioritize getting the booze out of its system And it's not going to waste its energy on something as silly as digesting food or absorbing nutrients. That shit can wait while it gets this fucking poison out of its body. And this means that your body is going to store more of those calories that you've consumed since it isn't digesting them. And the food that does get digested isn't going to be digested as efficiently because your body can't absorb as many nutrients from that food since it's got bigger concerns at the moment. And let's be real, the food we're eating after having some drinks typically isn't the most nutritious anyway. I don't know a lot of people who think to themselves after having a few cocktails, ooh, you know what sounds delicious right now? A fucking salad. No, we want tacos or pancakes, or both. Generally speaking, since alcohol lowers our inhibitions, we tend to go for more calorically dense foods. And then our body doesn't digest those foods as well. So we've created a whole recipe for making fat loss more of a challenge. Then there's the whole factor of alcohol being a diuretic. It actually alters the way our body absorbs fluids altogether which is also part of why we don't digest food as well. It fucks with our gut. The excessive urination that is caused by drinking, as well as the beer shits that you get the next day, 
dehydrate the fuck out of you. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, dehydration isn't just a lack of water in the body, but electrolytes as well. So if you've ever heard anyone tell you that the cure for a hangover is to eat pickles or bananas, that's why, because they're high in sodium and potassium respectively. But anyway, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to cure your hangovers, although electrolytes will help a shit ton. (laughs) My point is that in addition to all of the other bullshit that alcohol is already doing to your body, it's also drying it out, which interestingly enough is why some coaches will assign alcohol in their client's peak week protocols because it does dry you out. And for some athletes, that can be a good thing. But I personally don't fuck with alcohol during peak week because I don't drink at all during prep. So I'm not about to go off the wagon the day before or the day of a show when I'm a fucking lightweight. Because even just one drink will go right to my head. And I don't want to be the sloppy girl who trips on stage, nor do I want to wake up on show day with a pounding headache. So I personally like to save my drinks for celebrating after the show is over. That's actually not to say that I won't ever coach a client to have a drink if they want to help them relax before getting on stage or if they need to dry out more, but I'm going to make damn sure that they are 1000% confident that they can keep their shit together. And it's definitely not something we are going to experiment with during peak week. I would only assign something like that if we had previously tested it out because even though alcohol can help to dry you out it can also cause inflammation, which we obviously want to minimize on show day. And outside of a competition setting, we also don't want to have too much inflammation because of its ability to damage cells and organs and increase the likelihood of things like cancer and type 2 diabetes. To expand on that just a bit, alcohol is bad for your liver because as our body's main filtration system, it has to work in overdrive every time we drink since it is literally poison to the body. And although our liver can repair itself, overconsumption of alcohol can eventually become too much for the liver to handle, resulting in permanent damage. Alcohol is bad for your heart because it increases cortisol, which is our stress hormone, which increases heart rate and blood pressure, ultimately increasing the likelihood of things like heart attacks and strokes. Ever get horrible anxiety after a night of drinking? Yeah, me too. That's because your cortisol was raised from drinking. Alcohol is bad for your brain because it interferes with its communication pathways. That's why things like balance, speech, and reaction time become more of a challenge when we're drunk. Chronic alcohol consumption can even lead to long-term effects like altered nerve function and reduced brain size. And if I haven't scared you enough just yet, alcohol also lowers the immune system. I'll be the first to admit that I have definitely made myself sick after competitions, and I would almost guarantee that it's partially because I do indulge in a couple of drinks after my shows. And then my body is just like, God damn it, Shannon, what the fuck? Why did you do this to me? But if you can't relate to that, then maybe you've noticed that you tend to get sick after a vacation or something where you indulged a bit more. There's a correlation there. Because alcohol damages the cells that serve as our body's defense mechanism against bacteria, increasing the susceptibility to both bacterial and viral infections. It's all fucking bullshit, I know. 
Trust me, I wish I could drink wine every night. I really do. But despite all of this negative shit that I've just unpacked, I still have no intention of quitting drinking. And I'm not making this episode to try to convince you that you have to quit drinking either. If you want to get on the wagon, then more power to you. My husband has been sober for 18 fucking years, and I couldn't be more proud and supportive of him. But that ain't the life for me. And if you're listening to this episode, then I'm going to go ahead and assume that you probably enjoy an occasional drink as well, which is totally cool because I truly believe that everything is fine when kept in moderation. And honestly, if you're someone who is a constant ball of stress and having an occasional drink helps you to chill the fuck out, then I might actually argue that alcohol could be beneficial for you. Because stress can wreak some serious fucking havoc on our bodies. There's also this kind of romance about drinking something like wine. I recently went to a wine dinner at Fleming's, and wine doesn't just taste good and help you relax, but it's almost like an art form as well. The way they paired the different wines with each meal so flawlessly is something that legitimately requires a ton of knowledge and years of practice. And the same thing goes for other drinks as well. I'm not a beer drinker myself, but I know that some people get so into things like craft beers or scotches and whiskeys or even tequilas. Point is, there's culture around drinking and it's totally fine to enjoy some drinks as a way to socialize. But you've got to understand what it is doing to your body and remember that it is a treat that should be kept in moderation. And when you do decide to partake, maybe you want to track it into your macros. I personally like to save my drinks for untracked meals or days that I'm not tracking at all because I just don't want to think about that shit on the days that I'm tracking. But I definitely have tracked drinks in the past. And I'm going to quickly kind of break down how you should be tracking alcohol if you're someone who is tracking macros. Because when we track macros, we're tracking protein, carbs, and fats since those are what make up calories. But alcohol also contains calories, even though it does not contain protein, carbs, or fats. This is why it is known as the, quote, fourth macro. If you're only tracking calories, then there's not much to do here. Just log in whatever you drink, and the calories will add up, and you're good to go. But if you're tracking macros, and you log something like a White Claw, it's going to log 100 calories, but only two carbs. And that doesn't quite add up since two carbs is only eight calories. And that's because the rest of the calories in a White Claw are from alcohol. So you'll want to convert those calories into your macros. In which case, my recommendation is to log them all as carbs, since that is typically the macro that has the most wiggle room. And it's the only macro that we don't actually need to survive. So replacing carbs with alcohol is going to have less of a negative impact than replacing fats or protein with alcohol. Since we need fats to regulate hormones and we need protein to build and repair muscle. So if you're logging a 100 calorie white cloth, you would take the 100 calories and divide them by four since there are four calories for every one gram of carbs. So then you would log 25 carbs. But you can also log alcohol as fat if you want to, in which case you would divide those calories by nine since there are nine calories for every gram of fat. 
in which case a 100 calorie white claw would be logged as about 11 grams of fat. I would not log alcohol as protein if you are someone who is working on body composition, since protein is essential for building and repairing lean mass, and we want to keep it pretty high when the goal is aesthetics. But if for whatever reason you don't want to log 25 grams of carbs or 11 grams of fats, you can split them up just as long as the total calories still match up. So for example, you could divide them both in half and log 12 and a half grams of carbs and five and a half grams of fat. But this can start to get a bit more confusing, which is why logging them as just one or just the other is definitely going to be the easiest method. What I recommend doing is creating a custom entry for your favorite drinks into MyFitnessPal or whatever app you use to track to make it easier to log when you've got a good buzz going and all of a sudden doing simple math becomes way more challenging. <laughs> for example, I have custom entries titled red wine as carbs and red wine as fats. That way, if I do decide to track my drinks, I can input them super quickly and even split them between fats and carbs if I want to, just as long as I make sure that the total calories add up to what I drank. The last thing I want to touch on with the topic of alcohol is feeling the need to drink at certain events. If you feel like you need to drink in order to have fun with the people you're hanging out with, then I'm sorry, but you might really want to do some soul searching and decide if that's really the social circle that you want to be surrounding yourself with. As hard as it can be at first to kind of weed out the people who are just your drinking buddies, you'll actually end up creating more space and energy to be able to attract the types of people that you do want to surround yourself with. So even though your circle might get smaller, I promise you it will get better. Now, if you feel like you need to drink just in order to relax at an event or to avoid the peer pressure of people who are constantly trying to buy you a drink, I'm going to teach you a trick right now. There is actually scientific evidence that simply holding a beverage of any kind in your hand can make you feel more calm in social situations. And if you order something that looks like a drink, like a soda water with a lime or something, People won't harass you to go get a drink because they think that you are already drinking a vodka soda. Guys, I have used this trick so many times and it's honestly insane how well it works. It's really kind of hilarious too when you're hanging out with a group of people who are drinking because they all just assume that as they are getting drunker and drunker that you are as well. I've literally had friends come up to me and be like, are you okay to drive when I'm dead ass sober? <laughs> but if you don't feel like being a sneaky sneakerson and tricking people into thinking you're drinking and you'd rather just be honest and tell them that you're not drinking, then be honest. I seriously bet that you would be surprised by how many people are actually very supportive of your decision not to drink. In fact, I myself have been at events where I felt some amount of peer pressure to go get a drink and then I found out that a friend of mine wasn't drinking, and it was like a weight off my shoulders knowing that I could have a sober buddy to hang out with. And there's been plenty of times where I was in prep or something where I wasn't drinking, and I was the one who helped another friend feel more comfortable about making the decision not to drink. So you can use it as a chance to lead by example. And if you're getting together with a friend or a colleague or someone, 
ask if they want to meet at a coffee shop rather than a bar or a restaurant. They might actually feel relieved by the pressure of alcohol being taken off of them as well. Or you could suggest that you go on a walk together. I fucking love catching up with my girlfriends while I get my steps in. And I know more and more companies that are making walking meetings a thing too, which I am so here for. I kind of touched on alcohol in last week's episode where I mentioned that you need to be realistic about managing your expectations with it because alcohol is a toxin. And if you're drinking in excess or if you're drinking more than a couple times per week, then it is going to make your progress a lot slower and a lot more challenging. Ultimately, though, it's completely up to you how you want to balance alcohol and your fitness goals. But if I'm coaching you, then you know that I'm always going to make the suggestion that has your fitness goals in mind. But I'm never going to judge you or get mad at you for going out and having a good time once in a while. So if that's a style of coaching that you think you would vibe with, then click the link in the show notes to apply to work with me. Thank you for listening to Treadmill Talks. If this episode taught you something, lit a fire under your ass, or at least helped you forget how long you've been walking in place, please leave a review or take a screenshot to share on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at Shannon Maves so I can give you some love right back. And thanks again for listening to my Treadmill Talks.